Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This week on Cincinnati Business Talk, we'll have David Ginsburg, President and CEO of Downtown Cincinnati, Inc. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with David Ginsburg who is the President and Chief Executive Officer of Downtown Cincinnati, Inc. Thanks for joining us, David. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Before we uh, go into the rest of the show, I'd like to uh, tell our Sandler clients and anyone who's interested about a couple of new and interesting things we have coming up in the calendar. Next week, uh, on Wednesday the 11th, we have a fantastic new Sandler program called Energize Your Workforce. This is designed for business owners, general managers, presidents, who have uh, issues with making their people better. Uh, it's a great program. It's brand new. Uh, it runs from uh, 12, 11.30 to 2 uh, in Blue Ash. If you're interested in making a reservation for that program, you can call 513-753-9400 and hit option 2 and speak to Kay, and she can make your reservation. The following week, we have another brand new program for Sandler. It's a prospecting workshop on Wednesday morning, the 25th. It's free for Sandler Lifetime Presidents Club members. Uh, You do need to make a reservation. Uh, We're going to do a workshop on the new Connect and Sell program. This is a technology breakthrough in selling. Uh, Those of you who know me over the years have known that uh, Mike always says you need to touch 100% of the desirable opportunities 100% of the time, and 100% is a tough grade to get, but 100% is the grade that we want. Uh, Through this new technology, we've now found a way to make salespeople and telemarketers or customer service people between 200 and 500% more efficient on the phone. So when those people are on the phone, all they're doing is talking to contacts, prospects. They're not listening to uh, telephone trees. They're not talking to the gatekeeper. They're only talking to contacts. They're not even leaving their own voicemail messages are pre-recorded in their own voice. And this is a quantum breakthrough making cold calls or contacting people over the phone. I will demonstrate it during that program on the 25th of May from 
8 a.m. to 11 a.m. It's a three-hour program. And again, make your reservations by calling 513-753-9400 and hit 2. Okay, let me tell everyone about you, Dave. Uh, David was named uh, the President and Chief Executive Officer of Downtown Cincinnati, Inc. in 2002. David is a uh, leading member of the civic team working to achieve the nonprofit's mission to build downtown Cincinnati as a dynamic metropolitan center valued as the heart of the region. Uh, That's a tall order, Dave. Yes, it is. Especially since you started in 2002. Well, I actually started in 1994 with the organization. I became president in 2000, so we uh, we have all, as a team, come a long way downtown. Oh, yeah. Uh, there have been a few hurdles to overcome. Sure. And many more to come. Yes. Uh, Dave has led the organization through a, comp- a comprehensive effort to focus its services on, ad- on addressing the evolving needs of the city's dynamic downtown. The organization initiated the highly recognized Downtown Ambassadors Program, a team of more than 30 people to provide enhanced, safe, clean, and hospitality services through downtown. Uh, How long has that program been around, David? Uh, That program has been in place now for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, You think about any place you go, a restaurant, a hospital. If you don't have confidence in the environment, if you don't have confidence that it's safe, uh, that it's clean, doesn't matter how good the doctors are, doesn't matter how good the businesses are, no one will invest. So our, our focus is really the price of entry for downtown development. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it, it's really a critical issue. Um, I, I think of the way uh, Times Square was when I, I lived in New York City and worked in Manhattan. It was a place during the daytime I didn't want to walk through it. Well, that's a, a great example. Uh, New York City, Times Square in particular, was one of the first business improvement districts uh, in the United States. And mm-hmm. When we were actually looking at revitalizing downtown Cincinnati, we traveled to New York City to see what kind of an impact those districts had. Uh, we are largely funded by an area in downtown Cincinnati, which is where the property owners uh, within a certain geography, in this case the central business district, mm-hmm. levy a special assessment against themselves to provide an Enhanced levels of service because they realize uh, that if we can't be safe, if we can't be clean, if we can't be accessible, if we can't be friendly, if we can't be beautiful, uh, we're not going to attract uh, workers to our area. Uh, we're not going to be able to keep residents downtown. Uh, so it really is the price of entry to all that they're seeing in our centers. And, and it's it's been true and it, it continues to be true. That's what's make one of the things that's making downtown Cincinnati livable location. That's why what we learned, and I'm very delighted, you know, we have a wonderful board uh, now headed up by uh, Ed Diller of the Taft Statinius Hollister uh, Law Firm. Uh, our boards have always been uh, very, uh, very, very focused on making sure that we keep our, our, our focus on our mission and our roles. Our key role is safe, clean. Uh, and as our former mayor, Charlie Lucan, and current mayor, John Cranley, like to say, it's safe, clean, and mostly safe. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I remember meeting Charlie Lucan when he came to a Rotary meeting many years ago. And when he was asked, what is he going to do for the city? He said to get more people to move downtown. And a lot of people were taken aback by that because they they were saying, why would anyone at mine move downtown? And Charlie said, we need more people downtown. We need more, more people living, more people working, more people visiting. But uh, Charlie, uh, we we owe a great debt of gratitude to Mayor Lucan. Not only did he say that, but he walked the talk. He lives downtown. Right. Right, and but he started the ball rolling. He started the ball rolling. Right, uh, and 
Prior to joining downtown, uh, David, you spent 23 years in the retail sector, Marshall Fields in Chicago. Uh, what was it that made you move to Cincinnati? When I was in Marshall Field, most of my career uh, was in the women's shoe business. I uh, mm-hmm. started out actually in high school as a stock boy in uh, one of the suburban stores, uh, went on to become a buyer. And mm-hmm. during my years as a buyer, uh, one of our primary resources was U.S. Shoe Corporation, which was headquartered here uh, in Cincinnati. So I would have the opportunity to visit Cincinnati to do our buys several times a year and always loved the city, uh, thought it was a beautiful city, Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, an opportunity came up uh, in about 1987 uh, to leave Marshall Fields and come to USU. I think career-wise, that was the best move I ever made. Okay, so 87, you came to... uh, Moved to Cincinnati in 87. Mm -hmm. And... You stayed at USU until what year? 1994. If some of your listeners will remember uh, USU, which doesn't exist anymore, was a very fine corporation, um, ultimately sold out to Nine West. And uh, I had one final project organization, was taking our concept stores and converting them either into independent stores under an operator's name or converting them into company. And as my my project was coming to an end, uh, I needed to now find the next step in my life. And uh, the CEO... CEO of USU Corporation, a gentleman named Ban Hudson, uh, was out of the office every day doing something downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the first board chair of Downtown Cincinnati Incorporated. Okay, and I knew him because I used to run the. Uh, Fine Arts Funds, now called Artswave, uh, drives for USU Corporation, so I got to know the CEO that way. And I was always interested in civic affairs and downtown, and I told him, you know, between now and the time I find my next opportunity, uh, I've got some time to, you know, to, to work with you, to volunteer. And uh, he said, uh, you know, we're starting an organization. Uh, you know, I think you'd be a great candidate for it. You should put in a resume. Uh, and uh, that's what I did. And, uh, you know, 20-some years later, uh, it's worked out very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Uh, you also serve on the board of directors of something known as the International Downtown Association. Uh, could you tell our listeners what that is? Uh, the International Downtown Association is uh, an organization of many of our sister organizations. There are the improvement districts around the country, the areas that focus on, on downtown development. Very much like what we talked about with Times Square, uh, we have organizations like this all around the country. Uh, and uh, so we uh, are a member of that organization. I've recently uh, joined the board. Uh, and I'm very proud to say that this spring we hosted the spring meetings of the National Downtown Association right here in downtown Cincinnati. Really? How big an organization is that? How many downtowns? Uh, there are about 350 members, uh, primarily in the United States uh, and Canada, but there's also, uh, in, in Europe, there are several downtowns. Uh, South Africa has several downtowns. Asia has several downtowns So that are members of the organization. And we share best practices. So when we talk about the importance of safe and clean, uh, we're all working on the same types of things. When we talk about marketing or how we uh, do economic development, um, every single City, it, I, I always tell people they're like snowflakes. There's no two cities, no two civic structures that are set mm-hmm. up exactly the same way. Um, but, but, but each one in, in its own way is trying to do the same thing. We're trying to make sure the environment downtown is a good one. Uh, we're trying to make sure that it's user-friendly, that people can find their way around. We're all looking for ways, and I appreciate the opportunity today, to get the word out about all the things that are happening downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then every downtown needs a leadership organization, some entity, the go-to organization, when a question comes up. But by that, you mean someone outside of the elected politicians? Uh, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, there, there's three legs of the stool. Really. There's certainly the elected, uh, the business community, the nonprofit orgs that represent uh, a variety of different stakeholders. Mm-hmm. In the uh, 
organization here in Cincinnati, um, how many members are there on your board? Uh, our board is 54 members, wow. pretty large board. Uh, our executive committee is only 15, so that is a much more manageable entity. Uh, and we're able to, uh, 15, but uh, I'll tell you, we've been so fortunate with uh, our board and with our executive committee that sometimes it feels to me like we have a staff that's just 15 members bigger. Mm. Uh, people are thinking about this uh, at all hours of the day and night. Uh, I'm always, um, you know, we talk about other downtowns. Uh, I can tell you not every director of a downtown organization has a life that's as good as mine. Uh, almost every day for me is a good day. And the reason is that I don't think anybody has ever, in my years as CEO here, no one's ever said no to me. And I don't say no to anyone. We try to get to yes. Can't always give everybody exactly what they want, but we can help everybody. That's what, uh, and our executive committee and our board really sets that culture and makes that possible. Yeah. You said one of the magic words in Sandler. We don't try. We either do or do not. Uh, it sounds, I had you on the show because uh, I think you, you're one of the doers. Uh, I like to say that the motto of DCI is, the answer is yes. Now what's the question? <laughs> we'll figure out how to do yes. <laughs> right, how to get to yes, right. Okay, that's, that, that, that's a great uh, perspective. Um, in, in every organization, there's usually a vision and a mission. Could you share uh, Downtown Cincinnati Inc.'s vision yeah, and mission yeah. with our listeners? Uh, if you go back to before this organization was formed, uh, those who are familiar with Cincinnati know that Cincinnati is a very incremental city. We don't get the big ups and downs like cities like Las Vegas do. Uh, and in the mid-90s, the fortunes of downtown Cincinnati were just beginning to slightly decline. You know, down 1%, 2%, vacancies up, rents mm-hmm. down. Uh, and the business community uh, and the city at the time thought we need to enter we need to do something there. And so they did something called Vision 2020. It was a process of getting input from all over the region. It was led by uh, the CEO of Cincinnati Bell at the time, uh, Dwight Hibbard, uh, and uh, managed by a consultant, uh, Marie Jamelli Carroll. And if you boil down everything that was, all, all the input there, it was that downtown is everybody's neighborhood. There has to be something in downtown for everyone. That really is the vision, and that's what guides the way we think uh, until today. Uh, then as you begin begin to look at what the cities need to be successful, um, we actually went through a process in 2002 of restructuring the organization uh, and looked at cities that were working. Uh, and it's interesting, if you go back into the early 2000s, uh, I'll bet many of your listeners couldn't tell you too many American cities that were working well. Uh, you know, most were, were having problems. Retail was leaving, offices were leaving, there was, you know, suburban flight. Um, so we went to a couple of cities. We're very fortunate. A woman named Charlotte Otto from Procter & Gamble was our board chair. We were able to visit cities like Portland. Portland, Oregon seemed to be working. Uh, we went to Denver, Colorado. Seemed to be working. People living downtown, Coors Field. Uh, we went to Indianapolis. They had uh, the dream of all cities. They had Nordstrom in the downtown area. They don't have that anymore. They had, oh, uh, yeah, Nordstrom, Nordstrom store. Yeah. I, I remember driving uh, to Nordstrom. Absolutely. So, uh, so we, we looked at that. We looked at New York City to see how they cleaned up. And we came away with seven things that we thought all the cities that were doing well were had in common. Now, of course, not all all seven of those things were things that DCI could take on, but we, we mapped it. And someone in the civic realm, whether it be the city or whether the development corporation uh, or whether it be the Chamber of Commerce, someone is owning each one of those seven things. And I'm happy to report uh, 20 years later, very significant progress on all of them. But our focus really is on the safe and clean, uh, the marketing of downtown, um, and being the voice for all of the stakeholders uh, as a platform. Good. David, we're going to be... Uh 
Back in a couple of minutes, we're going to take a, uh, a couple of minute break and listen to a couple of uh, Sandler commercials. Very good. Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are you hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523 or check our website at rothconsulting.net. This message is short and to the point. In business, you don't get paid for what you know. You get paid for what you sell. Yet many salespeople leave their skills to chance. They often think, let me think it over. They write proposals that go nowhere. They lower their price to get the order. They wind up chasing prospects through the voicemail maze. It doesn't have to be that way. The best salespeople were not born great. They learned it. I'm Mike Roth of Roth & Associates. We're famous for our expensive, difficult sales training. We're not for everyone. We build the best sales prospectors and sales negotiators on the planet. Are you in sales? Are you ready to get deadly serious about your career that feeds your family? Are you ready to make a change? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523. Sandler's most experienced trainer in Cincinnati, 646-6523. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with David Ginsburg. We're talking about downtown Cincinnati and downtown Cincinnati, Inc., so, David, I've got to ask you the question. Do you live downtown? No, we live in Hyde Park. Uh, we're about 10 minutes away from downtown. Uh, and, uh, you know, just, you know, what a, what a wonderful uh, region we have where in 10 minutes you can be from, you know, uh, where, where you live right to your office. It uh, makes it very convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember living in L.A. for 15 years, and I lived in San Pedro, yeah. which was 20 miles as yeah. you drove the highway yeah. to LAX, where my office was. Yeah. And that was an hour and 15-minute trip. Yeah. You know, in, in Chicago, I lived the same distance from my house as I do now, and it took me an hour to, to go back and forth. Now I, I do it in 10 minutes. Uh, and remember, when we talk about our, our mission statement about building a downtown valued as the heart of the region, uh, it isn't that downtown wins and the suburbs lose or Cincinnati wins and northern Kentucky loses. It, it has to. Everyone has to be successful. For it this it does re- seem to be that. For this region to be successful, uh, it has to have a healthy core. And for the suburbs and for the neighborhoods to be successful, um, downtown has to be successful. And for downtown to be successful, the neighborhoods have to be successful. People often ask me, you know, how do you know if your this downtown revi- revitalization has really been working? And I often tell people, just take a look at the neighborhoods. Look what's happening in Walnut Hills. Look what's mm. happening in Price Hill. Look what's happening in Mount Adams. Look what's happening in Over the Rhine. Oakley. Look what's happening in Oakley. Look what's happening in Newport and Covington. None of that would be happening uh, if, if, if the center city wasn't generating the kind of a buzz where people want to come and want to stay. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a, the rivalry is, is healthy then between Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati? 
Uh, I think more and more, uh, especially on a project basis, we, we work together very well. Uh, you know, if you're trying to bring in a graduate from Stanford or from Northwestern, uh, and you tell this person, you know, how would you like to live in Blue Ash? Or how would you like to live in Fort Thomas? Uh, or how would you like to live in Lawrenceburg? Lawrenceburg, Indiana, they really don't know what you're talking. When you say Cincinnati, very often there is some brand equity. They see, they know the Reds or the Bengals, or they know Fountain Square, or they know the reputation for the arts. Uh, so I think it's really... Uh, I think the banks is giving a good and reputation. the banks and over the Rhine. I mean, I, I think the, the casino, I think everywhere you look, you see progress. Um, I just think the number of young professionals and the things, you know, we have bicycles on the street now. Um, we have pedestrians. There's more retail downtown uh, and in over the Rhine and the banks. Uh, so I think it, it's just this synergy of everything uh, that I kind of think more about just growth than I would ever think about rivalry. Mm-hmm. So uh, in downtown Cincinnati, as a downtown, one of the things I've things I've noticed mm-hmm. is that there's no movie theaters. Something we would love to have downtown. Uh, you know, certainly you know, Newport has them and they're, they're, they're not too far away, but that's something that uh, as we look at development and more people living downtown, uh, things like a movie theater and a grocery store are things that, uh, you know, I think we will see on the horizon. Ha- hasn't someone said they're going to be building a, a, a lot, grocery downtown? Lot of, a lot of talk about it. Uh, one of the things that I think has been very interesting downtown are the number of buildings that, you know, even five years ago, you would have said, what's ever going to become of these buildings? Uh, mm-hmm. There's a building called the Bartlett Building at 4th and Walnut. That's yeah. now the Renaissance Hotel. Beautiful place. Uh, there's the building, the old Cincinnati Inquirer Building, 617 mm-hmm. Vine. Mm-hmm. Uh, our office used to be there, a beautiful old building. We wondered what was ever going to become of that building. And now that's a Homewood Suite and a Hampton Inn. Uh, Tower Place, uh, you know, almost became vacant. The shopping area downtown, that's now been demolished. And there's a new development there called Mabley Place. And then on the other side of the street where the old post garage garage was, it's a garage with some retail space in the base of it. And then on the other side of the street is the old Pogues Garage. That's the the building with the ramps uh, that that face out the most. That's scheduled to close around. That's scheduled to close, be demolished, and then be redeveloped into apartments uh, and with some retail and with some additional parking downtown. Is that a a local development? We're doing that or uh, that's a local partner, uh, a, lo- uh, a local developer in partnership with an out-of-town developer. Mm-hmm. So there's several developments. I've gotten the feeling that uh, our, our redevelopment downtown is, is a lot of capital is flowing into Cincinnati from developers in other cities. Uh, I um, meet with new uh, investors uh, every day, and I think we're seeing reinvestment from inside the city, and uh, we're also seeing a lot of investment from outside the city. Uh, we just, uh, there's a, a building downtown that just actually changed hands this week, uh, and it's a Nashville, Tennessee-based investor, and I've seen some of the projects he's done in the Nashville area, which are terrific. So I think this combination of some new energy, new investment, um, and some recommitment from you know some of the many fine property owners that uh, have, have weathered the storms downtown. I mean, this wasn't always good times for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the combination is bringing a, a very a, a very strong energy uh, and a diversity uh, to the downtown economy. Uh, do you think the uh, old uh, terrace 
Holiday Inn is going to get redeveloped or is it going to be demolished? No, I think, uh, you know, it, it's certainly in a very strategic location. I mean, Sixth and Vine, I mean, Great you can't location. get closer to the Vine. Uh, and, you know, that building has some architectural merit. It was mm-hmm. designed by Skidmore, uh, won a number of different awards. I think there's a tremendous, I get calls every day about that building. There's a tremendous amount of developer interest in that. So I think you'll see different plans, different ideas. Uh, and as it's working through uh, right now, it's just sort of a difficult transition of ownership. But I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of buildings downtown that are still somewhat problematic. That's one of them. Uh, I think when you look five years from now, we'll be able to check that off. Uh, mm-hmm. And the next, uh, the next frontier is the taking the, the, the redevelopment of surface parking lots. Uh, you know, that's kind of a low use for, for land. And so, you know, can you begin to use some of those uh, to, you know, create some, some new development space, mixed use, where you have parking and you have residential and you have office. Uh, and so I think you're going to start to see some of the teeth in downtown fill in that way as well. So these are the parking lots uh, that are only on ground level. Right. No structure. No structure, just parking, but valuable land. Mm-hmm. And now there's demand for it. And, there's a, and there'll be a bigger demand with parking, taking out that uh, parking garage. And uh, you'll see bigger demand uh, with more people visiting, more people living. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the byword here is more. Okay. Uh, in our next segment, we'll talk about the streetcar. So I'm going to reserve that so we have okay. enough time. Right. And, and that, that, that impact on, on downtown. Sure. Uh, th- there's a, a cha- Chamber of Commerce program that you're involved with called Agenda 360. Uh, could you share with our listeners exactly what that means? Sure, sure. One of the things that the Chamber of Commerce uh, did very well, a great value that it brought uh, to the table was uh, we began to do some benchmarking trips. And, you know, I'm a newcomer relatively to Cincinnati, still 20-some years. But one of the things I observed is that we had a hard time learning from other other cities. If we went someplace, we would think, boy, you know, they're doing it. How do we do it? Uh, why aren't we doing it? We beat ourselves up. I think these benchmarking trips uh, brought everybody together from all different segments of the economy uh, to, to look at what another city is doing and see how we can reapply it. So Agenda 360 was really born of a trip to, uh, to Boston, uh, where we learned that there was something in Boston called the Shared Civic Agenda, which was each one of the major um, pillars of the government or pillars of the business community, whether it be housing or justice or safety or real estate development, we're all somehow working together in philanthropy. And so out of that was born this notion of Agenda 360, which was really looking at all these different elements and trying to find a way to house them so that we can address each one of these issues, whether it be diversity, uh, whether it be justice, uh, whether it be getting more people living downtown, whether it be some of the philanthropy issues there. Uh, And the chamber really was housing that. Um, I think the sense now in the chamber uh, is that that process has really done, done its work. Now we have all these organizations, Success by Six, Diverse by Design. Uh, many of the programs that you see, the Story Project, which is kind of a narrative about the things that are happening mm-hmm. in our region here, they're taking life of their own. So I, I think the, the, the work of the, gen, of, uh, of the chamber now is really implementing some of the strategies uh, and concepts that 360 really brought to the, brought to the front. Good. We're going to take a uh, short commercial break here, and we're going to listen to San Rule number 14. Hi, I'm Bob Sinton. I'm here today to talk to you about rule number 14. A prospect who is listening is no prospect at all. 
You may have heard this before, but Dave Sandler told me a long time ago, you should follow the rule called 70-30 rule. The client talks or the prospect talks 70, and you, the salesperson, talk 30%. Most salespeople I run into in my 30 years understand the problem with how do you go about doing it. Well, most, if not all, salespeople know their features and benefits, the, uh, the power of what their company can provide clients. Um, so it's easy for them to uh, explain their features and benefits to a client. The problem with that is it doesn't necessarily elicit responses from a client. So what we have to train ourselves to be more successful and more professional is take your features and phrase it and structure it in such a way where it actually elicits a conversational response from your client. For example, a feature and benefit of your company may uh, include uh, you can reduce expense and save them some overhead and, and save your clients some money uh, long-term or short-term. Well, a lot of people can say that. That's on your website. It's on your brochure. A more effective way is to say, hey, Ed, can I ask you a question? Uh, what we've uh, done with companies and individuals like yourself is help save them money with some software that helps them reduce expenses, get rid of waste, and adds more money to their bottom line. Uh, do you have anything like that happening here? And if so, can you tell me a little bit about it? Um, what that question does is it obviously elicits initially a yes or no response, but then it quickly goes down the tunnel of what I like calling a conversational uh, dialogue, if you will, between salesperson and client, and you find yourself talking only 30% of the time, and the client ends up talking 70%. And that creates a, a more of a win-win relationship. And that's Sandler rule number 14. A prospect who is listening is no prospect. This is Mike Roth. I'm here with David Ginsburg, who is the CEO and president of Downtown Cincinnati, Inc. David, uh, before we talk about what's happening in downtown Cincinnati anymore, uh, you, how many people do you have in your organization? Uh, we have about 11 people in the office, and then we have about 30, 30 people on the streets, depending on the time of the year. Mm -hmm. Some volunteers as well. Uh, no volunteers. These are all paid people. The ambassadors are the ambassadors are professionally trained. Uh, those are those are very fine professionals. Yes. Okay. So uh, as we have a lot of other CEOs and presidents listening, perhaps you can give one or two of your leadership tips sure. to them. Well, over my career, uh, I've had great fortune to work for a number of very good leaders and a few that weren't so good. And I've learned to try to synthesize and learn as much as much as I can. Uh, certainly, uh, having a vision, mission and focused roles. If everybody knows what you're doing, why you're doing it, and everybody um, works to maintain and sharpen the focus, uh, it is much easier to achieve success and success be begets uh, even more success. What I also think uh, is very important uh, from a leadership perspective is to project energy. Uh, so many organizations are just flat. Uh, and, uh, and 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 sort of project energy, but also to set the high the, the standard that that's a standard of of excellence. Uh, I sometimes say, you know, if you think about football or something, our our goal is not just to win the Super, certainly not to be a competitive team. It's not to win the Super Bowl. It's to win the Super Bowl every year. Nothing short of that uh, makes any sense at all. And we do that by listening to uh, and meeting the needs of our customers. And we talk about that. We think about. Who all is our customers? We have lots of customers at different levels. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, I think some of the, the training that you provide, this notion of listening 70% of the time, good advice. Mission, focus, energy, uh, and excellence. Good. Now let's change the subject a little bit. And uh, let's talk about the Cincinnati Streetcar sure. Project. Sure. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and it looks like in September it may actually uh, 
start carrying passengers. Uh, do you think it will really help the region? Well, the way I would answer that question is you may recall in the previous segment, we talked about seven things that we observed that were uh, existent in all cities that were successful. Uh, for example, all the cities that were successful had a master plan. Everyone was on the same page. Mm-hmm. All cities that were successful had a research-based selling capability. That's why we produce something called the State of Downtown Report with all the information about downtown. Uh, All cities that were successful had a well-respected downtown organization spending about 50% of its resources on safe and clean. That's how Mm -hmm. we got our focus. Well, another one of those was that every city that we observed anywhere in the world that was successful had a multimodal transportation and access. So that means you have highways, that means you have sidewalks, that means you have buses, that means if you have waterways, you use them. Uh, That means you have cyclists, uh, you have Segway skateboards, um, and in some cases you have rail. So it's really kind of a mix. And again, if you go back to what uh, our downtown looked like 20 years ago, didn't see many bikes, didn't see many places you could tie up a bike. Uh, You didn't see too many pedestrians because there wasn't really much in the environment to attract pedestrians. So we've made a lot of progress towards that multimodal transportation and access. And the streetcar is really just one element of that. Uh, and, uh, you know, people can see them. They're on the streets right now being being tested. Uh, it, it really gives you kind of the, the look of a pretty significant city. Uh, I know it's been a divisive pr- uh, project. Uh, I know it's been a politically uh, you know, charged up issue. But the, it's been a football. Uh, but it's been a football. But, uh, the, but the view that we take of it right now is uh, it's here. Uh, we're not debating whether or not to do the streetcar anymore. It's here. So our job is to work with all of our partners, uh, whether it be uh, the city of Cincinnati, uh, our property owners, uh, our stakeholders, uh, Metro and Sorta. Our job is to work with everyone to make sure that it's as successful as possible. Mm-hmm. Do you think the streetcar should be extended to uh, Covington and Newport and looped back up to uh, Pill Hill? Well, certainly uh, the, the, the more things that connect, uh, you know, I, I think everybody would say that good to connect. The quest, the devil is in the details, of course. That's, mm-hmm. you know, how much does it cost? Where does it run? Uh, that's for others to figure out. But uh, I do think, again, if you look at best practices and, you know, other cities as programs either expand or they don't expand. It's based upon the desire of the places that would get it to want to have it and really put some skin in the game. So, uh, you know, here we have something uh, that, you know, it's, it's going to be running. Uh, if other parts of the city think that this is something that's a good thing for them, uh, they need to then become vocal and, you know, and, and actually more than just talk, uh, you know, actually put some, some resource into it. Uh, and so we'll see how that goes as we go forward. But uh, certainly, uh, you know, the more things that, you know, can a system, uh, you know, the, the the more value that will bring to customers. So, in other words, you, you think it's a good idea if uh, someplace like Newport or Covington throws thirty million dollars down on the table and says, "Let's let's build an extension." Devils, the devil's in the details. You know, how does it work? Where does it go? How is it funded? How is it operated? So, uh, you know, I think uh, there the, the, there are lots and lots of good ideas. People call us every day with all kinds of ideas. Uh, the devil is in, you know, why do you do it? How do you do it? Uh, and h- how do you fund it? So uh, I wouldn't make a blanket uh, opinion as to whether any particular extension was a good idea or a bad idea. At this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed the streetcar stops themselves are elevated off the, the level of the street that the cars and buses are on. Uh, do you think that's a good idea? Yeah, I think uh, what's really kind of neat about them relative to most other type of transportation is that they're level with the floor of the streetcar. 
so you can roll a bike in. Uh, it's easy for you know people that are handicapped to get in and get out of them. So mm-hmm. they will be very convenient, uh, but they will run in and out of traffic, and that's going to be something we're all going to have to get used to. Uh, do it in other cities. I haven't seen it here yet, but uh, it, it'll be something that uh, will be part of uh, yeah, part part of the climate of uh, of our of our downtown. And uh, I was in Toronto recently, where you, know, you see uh, their rail just kind of runs down the middle of the street, and people are getting in and out, and it works fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not really running down the middle of the street. No, we? we're not. But but we have, but it will run into traffic, so it'll pull to the curbside and then come out and then go back in. So you know. Bicycles and pedestrians uh, and other cars uh, are going to have to all learn to coexist. Um, one of the things I say about a city, uh, because it, it's very hard to always answer questions. People say, what, what if you put this in here? What if you put in that in there? Where will people park? Where will people, uh, you know, how will they get to something? And sometimes you don't know the answer to, to the question. And I always think cities are, you know, the art of putting 10 pounds in a five pound bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as your city grows, you start to try to put 15 pounds in a five pound bag. Uh, and somehow you figure out how to do it. And it's all that excitement and vibrance uh, that, that creates the buzz that people want to be a part of. You brought a question up in my mind. Sure. If someone gets on the streetcar with yeah. a bicycle, yeah. does he pay or she pay more in fare than someone uh, without no, a bicycle? No, no surcharge for the bicycle. No surcharge, but they're no. taking more space. Bikes, bikes the ride free. Bikes, bikes ride I remember driving, riding on the San Francisco streetcars, being so yeah. jammed in. You didn't want to have someone with a bike. Yeah, you know, I uh, uh, you know grew up in Chicago, where I used to take the L back and forth to work, and mm-hmm. uh, very, very popular. Uh, you know, during the rush hour, very seldom could you get a seat. Uh, those things do provide a good deal of utility, and also every bicycle on the street mm-hmm. or you know everyone that takes public transportation whether it be a bus or any other form of transportation if it begins to take cars off the street that helps to decongest the area from an environmental perspective that provides a benefit so again go back to that learning it isn't just the streetcar it isn't just light rail uh, the real concept here is multimodal transportation and access access to jobs access to living uh, so there, there are many aspects to that do you know how many uh, motor vehicles come into uh, downtown Cincinnati every day? Uh, I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was well in excess of 40,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something called the Story Project. Yes. Uh, since we're going to have a, uh, a writer of uh, books in August on the show about stories, but what is the Story Project Well, that was about? something that came out of one of our benchmarking trips. Uh, we went to Charlotte, mm-hmm. and uh, we were trying to learn, you know, why does Charlotte, North Carolina have such a good buzz? What's happening here? And it seemed like no matter who you were talking to, uh, they were all saying the same thing. They were talking about the financial capital. They were talking about young professionals wanting to live there. And one of the meetings we had was with the publisher of, uh, of their newspaper. And she talked about uh, the story, the, what, what they called the, the narrative for the city and how they communicate that throughout the entire, you know, all the stakeholders saying the same thing throughout the civic sector. So we came back and thought, you know, there, there is a real story here to Cincinnati. So working with the Chamber of Commerce and with a number of different consultants and people that are not necessarily civic leaders, just 
people that have lived in Cincinnati or mm-hmm. are new to Cincinnati, just to give some of their, you know, what, what do they think is the Cincinnati story? Uh, and so they came up with what we call the, it's a narrative. It's the, it's the story of Cincinnati. One great example that I love so much as an ex-Chicago, and I think is so important, uh, is that we have iconic leaders that are accessible here. Uh, you know, where else can you go where you might be walking down the street and run into the owner of the Cincinnati Reds or the owner of the Cincinnati Bengals, the CEO of Macy? CEO of, uh, of Procter and Gamble, and they'll talk to you. They'll, you know, they're, they're very accessible. They'll help. Uh, how often you walk down the street and just see the mayor walking down the street, and he's always happy to talk to people. Uh, that's a unique thing uh, that, that Cincinnati has. So that's part of our narrative. Um, our, 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 it, it's, it's a surprise. Many people come across, and I know you've got a wonderful view uh, and a picture just uh, behind you here of, of our skyline here. Uh, I think anyone who's visited Cincinnati probably knows that feeling of coming in from the airport and out in front of them lies the skyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a compact downtown. Uh, it's a walkable downtown. It's a historic downtown. It's a beautiful downtown. That's part of our part of our story. Uh, the arts are a great part of our story. You go around the country and people know about our symphony. They know about our ballet. Um, we have the Taft uh, Museum uh, of Art. They're doing an, an exhibit here beginning in July. I actually just uh, got the, the postcard for it here called Dressing Downton. It's costumes um, and, and jewelry from the show Downton Abbey that will be part of that historic Taft Museum. So uh, you, people, part of our story is, is the arts. Yeah, you just cost me a visit to the, to the Taft with my wife. <laughs> she follows that series. Let very, me very know, and I'll take you to lunch. Let me. Okay. Uh, the, the stories of Cincinnati that project, how are they getting the stories out? Uh, they send out an email every week with the stories. Uh, the, there are meetings, young professionals groups that come together where they talk about them. And because there's really a handful, they become reinforced. So uh, you know, er, every week, you know, people will think, well, how does this relate to you know, iconic leaders? Or how does this relate to the arts? Uh, or how does this relate to you know, what a wonderful corporate center we are with the number of Fortune 500 companies we have downtown? Uh, and over time, it becomes you know, we call it the story project, but the real word for this, the civic narrative. Mm-hmm. Good. We're going to take a, a commercial break here, and we'll be back in about two minutes. Why do some businesses business make, make lots of money while others while endure others... years of mediocrity? Is it really the economy, the market, the weather, the competition? No. These are all called excuses, which are always plentiful. Hi, I'm Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. As a business owner or part of a team, Are you accepting excuses from your sales team because you make them yourself? Business winners succeed in spite of this trash. Business winners invest in themselves and their people. For over 15 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing your sales, call me at 513-646-6523. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. To find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger, call 513-646-6523. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. 
For over 15 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, David Ginsburg from downtown Cincinnati, Inc. Uh, David, I've always thought of uh, Cincinnati from the first time I got here, that it was a series of small towns, maybe 200, 300 small towns, masquerading as a city. How do you look at that, that the whole that, the whole region? That That's pretty cool. I mean, when you think about that, you can you know, be in the country in New Richmond and then be, you know, right in downtown Cincinnati, feeling like you're in midtown Manhattan with about 15 minutes. Uh, I often think even within downtown, uh, we have what sometimes we call microclimates. Uh, I describe five downtowns. Uh, the furthest five. south, five downtowns. The furthest south is Newport and Covington, mm-hmm. sort of the south part of the center city. Uh, the next one is the Banks, which is new and well-lit and great parking and a great place for people that aren't necessarily comfortable with an urban environment to get a feel for it. They, they come downtown and they down love it. Too. they got a great park down there, the Smale Park. Then you move north to 3rd Street into the Central Business District, uh, which is the heart of the Financial District and the heart of the Business District and the heart of the Arts District, uh, the area around Fountain Square. Uh, that's the third one. And then pretty soon you have people that hadn't been downtown in 20 years, uh, start at the banks, go to the central business district. Next thing you know, they're an over the Rhine uh, and quite surprised at the, the beauty that they see there and the new businesses, and the restaurants uh, and all the excitement, people living in over the Rhine. And the next one is really Pendleton, the area around the casino. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's beginning to develop. Uh, and those are just really right downtown. Then you don't get too far, and then Mount Adams has a character of its own, and East Walnut Hills and Walnut Hills have characters of their own. Uh, Clifton has a character of its own. So, no, I think you're absolutely right, uh, and I think that uh, that that diversity uh, makes it interesting, and the fact that it's all working together uh, makes it great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we have a theory of operation over here at Sandler uh, Training that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. Therefore, if you want to solve a complex problem, you have to come up with an equally complex solution. Perhaps you could share with our listeners a complex problem that you stumbled across that you used a complex problem to so- a solution to solve. Well, I think part of the complex solution is having the people that are impacted by the issue becoming more knowledgeable about all the factors uh, that, that, that impact the issue. And the one that comes to mind is panhandling, people asking for money. Uh, when I first came into downtown and I'd start going to meetings, uh, our stakeholders would say, this is your biggest problem. You have people you know, asking for money, and sometimes after you say no, they keep talking to you, or I see one panhandler after another. And people were downright angry about that. They really you know, wanted to see what you could do to put an end to it. It was a serious so problem. It was, uh, it was certainly perceived as a serious problem. So we began to look into it and realize, you know, well, how do you stop it? Well, one way to stop it, one great way to stop it is if you could convince people to stop giving money to them. I mean, right now it's pretty good revenue uh, opportunity there. So we publish uh, some materials that we give to property owners uh, that encourage people that if they really want to help people give money to a social service, don't give money uh, to the panhandle. Uh, the other thing that we learned is that there's a limit to what can be done with enforcement. We would have thought early on that, well, if you want to get rid of panhandling, just arrest them all. Just you know, get a whole bunch of police and do that. Well, there are certain things that aren't even illegal. There is free speech. You can ask somebody for money. You just can't follow them down the street asking them after they said no. Uh, if 
you want to sit or stand quietly with the sign, that's perfectly legal, although that may be bothersome to some. So there's limits. Uh, even if you can arrest people, I mean, the police are busy, the jails are full, uh, you're not going to get people off the streets for a long period of time. And then you've got root causes. You have, you know, mental illness, uh, sometimes substance abuse, uh, you know, things not going well in somebody's life. Uh, so you have all kinds of reasons, sometimes homelessness. Uh, and we had to learn that, you know, not every panhandler is homeless. Not every homeless person panhandles. So how do you uh, divide those out? And then what we also learned through best practices was that the most effective thing we can do is try to connect with people on the streets and connect them to social services that can help them. So this gets them off the streets, but it gets them off the streets in a sustainable way, number one, and in a way that helps them, number two kind of a win for everybody. Uh, so we employ a social service outreach coordinator. We actually have two people that are on the streets and that's what they're doing. Our ambassadors find people or we hear about people and we try to establish some kind of contact with them and try to get them to the help that they need and make sure that the agencies that are supposed to help them are actually doing that. So uh, it's not a simple issue. Um, it's a complex array of five or six things you have to do to, to address it. Um, most importantly is educating all the stakeholders that it wasn't as simple as they thought uh, and, that, uh, and, 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 and to have a certain degree of compassion that you know, whoever's out there, uh, usually not because things went well in their lives. So you know, it's not our, our, our objective to make things worse for anybody, but it is our objective to make our downtown safe clean, friendly for everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I will have to compliment uh, you and everyone who's been on that project because uh, years ago, panhandling on the streets was a problem in Cincinnati, and today it's almost non-existent. Uh, DCI, we, we, we take credit for nothing. This is, you know, we, we, we can, we're facilitators, but a tremendous amount of credit goes to the Cincinnati police. We have a tremendous relationship with them. Uh, there's an entity called uh, Strategies to End Homelessness. Uh, they deal with the homeless issues, they're a great partner of ours. They're very helpful. Uh, and certainly all the things that, for example, our partners at 3CDC, the Development Corporation, have done to repopulate downtown. Uh, the things that the arts have done, the Aronoff Center, the public library. Uh, when you bring a lot of people downtown, uh, it just becomes that much more vibrant. Uh, and, 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 and some of these issues begin to just take care of themselves just because there's so much density. So it's, it's taken the partnership of a lot of people. But we've been very fortunate that uh, this is one of our focus areas. Our ambassadors have done a good job. So uh, you know, we're, we're happy to have been a part of, uh, of, of facilitating some progress on this issue. It's a it's very positive change. Absolutely. Uh, in downtown. Absolutely. Uh, let me ask you another thing about downtown. Uh, it is the Internet access downtown via Wi-Fi. Is all of our downtown going to be wired for Wi-Fi? Uh, or unwired for Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, or yeah, so you can go without wires and just turn on anything. I think pretty much anywhere around downtown right now uh, could turn on a device. Uh, I've not had any problem getting on anywhere. Government Square is Wi-Fi. Pyatt Park is Wi-Fi. Uh, I, I, I think we're pretty much ubiquitous now. Fountain Square is Wi-Fi. Fountain Square is Wi-Fi, right? Okay, that's great. So, uh, our young professionals who don't want to burn cell minutes can. Uh, I, I see people on Wi-Fi everywhere I go. Well, it's hard to tell, yeah. you know, when you look at people, yeah. whether they're on Wi-Fi yeah. or on cellular. Yeah. Because on cellular, you're burning data. I, I'm trying to just focus on walking straight ahead and staying off my device altogether. So. Uh, walking while walking, texting. Yeah, walking while texting. A, I've, a, uh, a new offense. I've uh, uh, had a few accidents that way. Yeah, I think everyone has. Uh, 
what's the long-term strategy to maintain and even get downtown Cincinnati better? Yeah, I think there's probably two things. Number one, more. We're looking at more residential. We're looking at our retail initiative downtown to begin to accelerate that aspect of, aspect of the economy. Uh, we are always looking uh, to, to grow the number of office and headquarter businesses that are downtown. So certainly you see that. Uh, the other piece of it that will ensure the success of downtown uh, is just sharpened focus on the things we know work safe and clean works and we are very uh very very grateful to our partners at the city and the county uh and to our property owners for understanding that and continuing to invest in that because that really uh that really is the price of entry and the other piece of it i think is very important is that we are riding a national wave right now Mm -hmm. Uh, when i told you if you go back to 2002 tell me an american city that was working well and there were only a few now i would ask you to tell me an american city that isn't working well Go to Nashville, see what's happening there. Go to Cleveland, see what's happening there. Go to Des Moines, see what's happening there. Go to Grand Rapids, see what's happening there. Uh, many of these cities we used to think of as you know, flyover or you know, not very interesting cities, they're all doing great stuff. And Cincinnati needs to just you know, continue to, uh, to, to, to work uh, full out to make sure that we maximize uh, what we get out of this opportunity because it may not last forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grand Rapids is on the Absolutely. Great city. Mm -hmm. Is is that because of one company dumping a lot of money into the local economy? Well, you know, we talked about cities being like snowflakes. Uh, We are very, very fortunate in Cincinnati that we have a very uh, vibrant corporate community that has invested a tremendous amount in the development of downtown. When you think about Western Southern and P&G and Kroger and Macy's and uh, Duke Energy and others, uh, some cities don't have too much of a corporate presence. You know, cities like uh, Nashville uh, rely less on the corporate presence and more on the biomed and the universities and those things the that drive industry. them. The music industry. Uh, Grand Rapids has a couple of very large uh, entities that are very invested in the city. So the trick for all those who are working in uh, in the revitalization of cities is to see what works in your city, uh, knowing that there are a few elements that are important. It's important that it be safe. It's important that it be clean. It's important that it be beautiful. Uh, it's important that there be a vibrant pedestrian environment. Uh, it's important that it's diverse, that everybody feels like they're a part of it. And how you erase stakeholders to help to make that happen. Uh, you just have to have a feel for your own city. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your opinion relative to the airport when the, the Delta exclusive contract works out? Mm-hmm. Is the is the airport going to become a plus for us? Well, I think the airport is a plus for us. Uh, you know, certainly we enjoyed. Uh, you know, when it was a, when it was a Delta hub, we enjoyed access. You know, well, that was, was probably. Sometimes they say we were sort of in a, skiing above our, punching above our weight no, uh, when we had that. We had well, a great, great access to any place in the country and any place in the world. And when Comair disappeared, uh, we seem to have lost that. Well, you know, again, it's like looking at, uh, you know, how corporations change, how business change, how my own career changed. Mm-hmm. You know, the companies that went in and out of business. No more have, shoes. Yeah, uh, when there are no more shoes the way they used to be in this region. Uh, you have to adapt to the business uh, as it is. You know, now Delta has other hubs. But I will tell you that, uh, you know, we talk about uh, Agenda 360 and Civic Agenda. We work very closely with other regions like the Chamber of Commerce, uh, like the African-American and Hispanic and European Chambers of Commerce, Chinese Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we work with 3CDC, the Development Corporation. We work with uh, uh, 
the Northern Kentucky entities, Triad, Ready, the Regional Economic Development Initiative. Uh, and one of the great partners we have here uh, is Candace McGraw at the CBG Airport. And uh, she has worked hard with a great team in a very open uh, kind of a way uh, to build alliances and begin to seed strategies that I think are going to pay great dividends. Good. David, I want to uh, thank you for being here on the show with us today. And uh, any closing comments? Mike, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Always appreciate the opportunity to talk to, uh, talk about downtown and uh, appreciate the good work you're doing. Good. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. This program this is the property of Sandler Training by Roth and Associates. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at rothconsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.